Our reading this morning is Romans chapter 16 and verses 1 to 16. Um, I have uh, completed over 31 years of ministry in Orangefield. Uh, Before that, four years in Tyrone and uh, three and a half years in Lisbon. And I've discovered that in all those years, I've only once preached on this passage Uh, And I I feel that's a a great neglect and a a pity in many ways. But let's read Romans 16, 1 to 16, and then see what God has to say to us through it. Hear God's word. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Cancrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia, Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Impliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobas, Hermas, and our uh, brothers with them. Greet Philogos. I don't know one of the reasons why I haven't preached in this passage for a long time. <laughs> Greet Philologos, Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Let's pray. Father, would you just open up this list of names and comments to us, that we may hear your word and respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's extraordinary that in the Bible there are lists of names at times that many people ignore, genealogies, lists of people, uh, and uh, in this case a list of people that Paul wanted to say uh, greetings to. I think there are about 29 named and unnamed people in this chapter, about 18 men and 11 women. It depends. Some of the names are a little bit doubtful. But there are also groups mentioned in verses 5, 10, 11, and 15. So this is a a large group of people that Paul is mentioning who have partnered with them in the gospel and in the mission of the church. And the overall picture is of a very diverse group of people socially and ethnically. The names are mostly Greek, but there are some Latin names. 
uh, and there's some Jewish names, and some names like Rufus were names that were commonly given to slaves. So the overall picture is a mixture of educated and uneducated people, people of low social class and high social class and different racial backgrounds. One of the dangers in a large church, especially when you see so many volunteers standing this morning, is that people will feel, oh, look at all those people. There's no outlet for me, no room for me to do something uh, in the church. And yet, Without those volunteers, we couldn't do what we do, and we need more. Uh, And the danger is that we think because there's so many, there's nothing left for me to do. Uh, There are many openings in some of our youth organizations. There are needs in, for example, small talk on a Wednesday. Uh, And uh, Helen Reid there would love to have someone who would come along with a heart for the mums and the grannies and the childminders and the children Uh, and maybe have the time and energy just to befriend and to talk and to uh, be Christ's person in that situation. There's so many volunteers that we require in many things. There are things, of course, that only uh, full communicant members can do, but there are other jobs that those who are not fully committed to the church can do as well. There's a place for service in Christ in this church. But I want to pick out very briefly some of the people that Paul mentioned. Let's first of all look at Phoebe in verses 1 and 2, if I may reread those, please. I commend to your sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Cancrea, ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. She has been a great help to many people, including me. Now, Now, don't forget that the Bible authors wrote on parchment scrolls. Uh, They didn't have computers to word process, and they didn't have, you know, reams of paper. They they wrote on parchment scrolls, and therefore every word was important. There was no wastage. And so if Paul goes through this long list, and if he takes time to mention certain things about the individuals, you can be sure that his carefully chosen words are important. And what does he say about Phoebe? He calls her sister. She is part of the Christian family. And remember, this is in a culture that did not value women. There's a culture that Jesus actually stood out against because many of the Jewish leaders of the day thought that women weren't to be taught They couldn't learn. They were not even worthy of being in the same room as men at times. And here Paul says, Phoebe is our sister. He immediately enfolds her, and indeed the other woman mentioned, into the heart of the Christian church. And so in saying that, he's reminding us that we're sisters and brothers together in Christ. He also calls her servant, but actually the word is deacon in the original Greek language. Some translations translated as deaconess, and Paul could have used uh, the female equivalent, but he used the male word deacon, which seems to indicate that Phoebe was a leader in the church at Kencrea, and that was why she was probably the one entrusted to carry Paul's letter. So she's not just family to Paul, she's a fellow church leader. And he says of her, she was a great help. 
Here was a woman of humility, with a true servant heart, for Paul testified that she was a great help to many people, including me. I would have loved to have known Phoebe, but we have Phoebe's in Orangefield, and that's great. And then secondly, Priscilla and Aquila, verses 3 to 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. So again, here in a culture that was largely anti-woman, you discover that when this married couple are mentioned, it's always Priscilla first, followed by her husband. You find that very interesting. It's highly likely that she demonstrated more obvious spiritual leadership than her husband. Perhaps like Deborah in the Old Testament, who though married to Lapidoth, was both a judge and a prophetess in Israel. Here was a woman who was marked out by her spirituality and by her leadership. And so it's Priscilla and Aquila rather than Aquila and Priscilla. And just to back up that, if you have the the Bible there, your own Bible or the Pew Bible, uh, or Seat Bible that you want to open up, Acts chapter 18 and verse 26. Now, it happened that in the church there was a Jewish convert called Apollos who came to faith in Christ. He was preaching and teaching, uh, and he indeed, it says, uh, if you read the verses before, taught about Jesus accurately, but knew only the baptism of John. So he was a, a, a clever man, he was a learned man, but he hadn't the full Christian picture. And in verse 26 of Acts 18, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more fully. I love that. Here's this spiritual leader of a woman with her husband, two spiritual leaders, and they take Apollos and mentor him and encourage him and build him up and equip him. And when they have done that work of mentoring. Acts chapter 18, verse 27 says, And Apollos wanted to go to Achaia. The brothers encouraged him, wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On arriving, it was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So Paul greets this Christian couple with a maybe more spiritually dominant uh, uh, wife, And he says, these are part of my family, part of my team, with whom I have a lot in common. What the readers of this letter would not have known was, or would have known that we don't know, is what was referred to. When it says, they risked their lives for me, we really don't know what that means. But the readers of Romans would have known that. And then thirdly, uh, just very briefly, Andronicus and Junius in verse 7. Uh, and it's a generally thought this is another married couple. Great, Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, who have been in prison with me. And here's an incredibly interesting and indeed dynamic statement that comes next. They are outstanding among the apostles and were in Christ before I was. Now, If you're like me, you might find that a bit strange because I've been brought up, and this isn't wrong, but I've been brought up to believe that the apostles were the disciples of Jesus, including the apostle Paul, who met Jesus on the Damascus Road and 
thought of himself as one kind of late-born and brought into that select group of apostles. Now, those apostles who wrote the scriptures and who were authoritative figures in the church are not to be repeated. Uh, they, They are not in the church today in that sense. But Paul comes and says, here is this married couple, and they're outstanding among the apostles. Now, the basic meaning of the word apostle is one who is sent. So today, an apostle might be a church missionary. Uh, It might be someone sent in to do an evangelistic work. It might be uh, someone that we have sent overseas. Uh, An apostle is, I think, basically someone who is sent by the church and commissioned by the church. But Paul says, here are leaders, a husband and wife, who are outstanding among the apostles. They spent some time in prison. Again, we don't know why or what the circumstances were. Uh, And the picture that's developing is that Paul's helpers were often in great danger from the authorities, and yet as they served the Lord, the church was built. A couple outstanding among the apostles. So this is Adronicus and Junius. Uh, And we understand that there are more people that Paul uh, is talking of here. We haven't time to go into great detail, but let, let's look at a couple of sisters in verse uh, 12, uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Uh, and I love this. Greek Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Now, these sisters are thought to be twins, uh, and they basically mean dainty and delicate. Tryphena means dainty, and Tryphosa means delicate. (laughs) Well, lovely couple of sisters, dainty and delicate. But don't feel sorry for these women. Indeed, don't mess with them, because these were women who Paul said work hard. And my understanding from commentators is that the word that Paul used for work hard literally implies hard labor to the point of exhaustion. Dainty and delicate, these women worked hard to the point of exhaustion. Now, actually, let, let me be straight here. I'm not sure that I want people here to work to the point of exhaustion. We need to learn Sabbath rest, and we need to learn to say no when people ask us to do 10 jobs in the church. We need to say yes to the things that are of God's. But these women, dainty and delicate, worked so hard that they gave their all in service to Christ. And, and as you go on, we haven't time to comment, but look uh, just very briefly with me. Verse 9, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, my dear friend Stachys. Verse 10, greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Uh, greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus, probably a house church meeting there. Uh, the second part of verse 12, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Uh, and verse 13, greet Rufus, the slave chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Gifts of hospitality, gifts of mentoring, gifts of helping, all sorts of things. And there isn't time to say very much more, but what I hope I've done is just to give a little flavor of all this amazing group of people who partnered in mission and in the gospel with the Apostle Paul. 
You see, we have this picture of Paul as the church planter, the apostle, going out on his own, taking people with him, dragging uh, people in his wake with his powerful personality uh, and so forth, outstanding apostle. But he couldn't have done it without all the kinds of people mentioned in Romans 16. And you can have the best minister or the worst minister at the front of the church, and you can have all that you desire in a minister, but you cannot do the work of the church with a minister. All of us need to be ministers serving God together. And just as we close, this is the snapshot that Paul has given us of the church. Four very quick things. First of all, a diverse church. And I love that Orangefield is a diverse church. Uh, People of different educational backgrounds, social backgrounds, people of many different ways of thinking, Uh, It is a fairly diverse church, uh, and that's a wonderful thing, a diverse church, a serving community. These people Paul mentioned were all servants of Christ, all working together for the master, all working together for the mission of the church, all serving because it's all about and all for Jesus. And they were a deeply committed people. Uh, They were committed to Jesus and to each other, and We had in our session conference yesterday the Reverend Catherine Viner just talking to us about connectedness. We live in a connected world, social media and all kinds of ways that we could be connected in ways that weren't available when I was growing up. But it is our connectedness to Jesus and through him to one another that demonstrates we are the body of Christ and the family of God, a deeply committed people. And they were a gospel people sharing and spreading the good news. What are the teachers in salt and light doing this morning as we sit here? They're teaching our children about Jesus. They're sharing good news. They're modeling what it is to be a follower of Christ. And this is the church that we are. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul could have written a Romans 17 to people in Orangefield. And it would have been interesting to see what he said. But as we just come to a close this morning, uh, invite the worship team up on stage. We have a choice. We can either sit on the sidelines, cheering the people on the pitch, or we can decide it's time to get onto the pitch and serve. So if you're not serving and you love the Lord, then maybe you need to ask, what can you do? in terms of serving God in this place. Let's just pray, and then we'll sing our last song. Father, so many people working hard in this place. Some are doing too much. Maybe some of us are not doing enough. But Father, I pray that we may Just reflect this morning that if there was a Romans 17 address to Orangefield, what would Paul's words look like for me, for each one of us? We just take a moment to respond to what you've heard God say this morning. Father, we thank you for what we heard from Daniel this morning that has gladdened our hearts. 
And we rejoice in seeing men like Daniel and women like his wife, Ashley, coming to know Jesus and coming to be part of our church family and growing and walking and developing with us in our church fellowship. And yet we come, Father, to say that the most important thing is that each one of us, first of all, is sure of our relationship with you. And then we develop that with each other. And how we serve you will depend on how we look to you as the author and giver of every good gift, the giver of gifts of your spirit to enable us to serve you. And I pray that you would help us just to be able to take this last song that we sing as our prayer of thankfulness and our commitment to you of not just our spiritual lives, but of our whole lives. For we shouldn't separate the spiritual or the sacred from the secular, but we want to be disciples who give our whole lives to Jesus. And this song will help us respond in that way through Christ. Amen.